For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. Luckily, Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbine to bring you MyNewHorse.com as your one-stop shop for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Visit MyNewHorse.com. You're listening to Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. (laughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation, removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity, so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed, the horses sleep, the day's work done, the chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds, drift off to sleep, and close your eyes. It's time for us to turn down for the night. Now let's breathe in, breathe out, and turn off the light. One more time, breathe out, breathe in. Now let us begin. In our previous episode, we were finally joined by Misty's foal, and the BBs were able to bring the filly back to Chincoteague Island. What adventure could lie ahead? Let's see. Chapter 21 A Grave Decision That night, When Pony Ranch had simmered down into a semblance of peace, Maureen brought out the birth announcements and piled them on the kitchen table. She and Paul were alone. Grandpa had gone to an emergency meeting of the Pony Penning Committee, and Grandma was attending the evening church service. You put the date on. Paul said to Maureen, You write better than me. Besides, I got some important thinking to do. Oh? Paul flicked open his pocket knife and began working on a block of wood. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Maureen dip her pen in the ink bottle and wait with it poised in the air. I declare, Paul Beebe, you can be downright mean. What are you thinking? And you can be such a girl, Paul said in disdain, always poking and prying. All right, I won't ask, because I already know. So there. What do you know? You're trying to think of the right name for Misty's baby. 
Okay then, I reckon you got what Grandpa calls woman's tuition. Now you know what's occupying my mind. Why don't you keep quiet and do your work? Sunday, March 11, 6 a.m. Maureen wrote again and again until her fingers were tired. At last, Paul was ready to talk. There's three ways to do it. One is by her markings. Like new moon or white stockings, Paul? Mm-hmm. And the second way is by using her family's names. Like Misty's Wings or Pied Phantom. And what's the third way, Paul? Just then, Grandpa's truck roared into the yard, brakes screeching. Grandpa himself banged into the house like a 4th of July firecracker. He threw his hat on the peg, then with both hands began rubbing the bristles in his ears. I say there's got to be a pony penning this year like always, he stormed. Why, it's the oldest roundup in America. We just can't let folks down because of a little flood. Why, come July and roundup time, folks are going to pack their night things and set out for Chincoteague hoping to give their kids a real holiday. And they're going to drive for miles and miles. And when they get here, no holiday, no pony penning. He snorted in disgust. I won't hear to it. I just... Grandpa, Paul interrupted. Who says there won't be a pony penning? Why, the mayor's committee and the firemen. They say ain't enough wild ponies left on Assateague to make it exciting. And no money in the treasury to buy new ones. What's more, he bellowed, they're right, but I ain't told him so, cause without ponies this here island is dead. Do you think folks come here to see oysters and clams and biddies? No, Grandpa, you're dead right they don't. They come to see wild ponies swimming across the channel and feuded and fratching in the pens. Pony penning day, that's what they come for. Can't see it nowhere else in the world. Paul and Maureen were aghast. July without pony penning was unthinkable. All year I've been answering letters about Misty, Maureen said, and in every one I invited people to come to pony penning. People from all over the world, even Alaska, Paul broke in. And this year, folks will come special on purpose to see Misty's baby. Grandpa began pacing, thinking out loud. If only we had the ponies. 
If only the town council could buy back some of the colts that was auctioned off last year and the year before that. He quickened his pace. Why, we could load him onto a big old barge and chug him across the channel to Assateague, and then they'd go wild again just like they'd never left. Now he spoke out with great conviction. Why then, we could put up one of the greatest pony pennings in Chincoteague history. Grandpa ran out of breath. He gulped for more. But all that'd take a heap of money, he sighed. Maybe, Maureen said excitedly. Maybe Paul and me could earn a lot of money like we did to buy Misty's mother. We could rake clams or help people clean up their houses. Paul looked pityingly at his sister. When you're going to grow up, Maureen? Why, it took us three whole months to earn enough to buy just one mare and her colt. Besides, folks here lost most everything in the flood. They can't afford to hire us. Paul's right, honey. But Grandpa, Paul asked, even if we had the money, would people sell back their ponies? Likely, some'd be right anxious to help, Grandpa replied, and some'd sell for other reasons. A lucky thing, me and the fire company got a record at each sale, and if only half of them people say yes, that would give us the start we need. Grandpa suddenly remembered that his feet hurt. He collapsed into the nearest chair and began unlacing his Sunday shoes. Can't abide him, he grumbled. I just stormed out in that meeting afore it was done, half because my hackles was up, but half because my shoes squinched me. The phone rang incessantly. You answer, Paul. There's another thing I can't abide. Phone talking. A contraption of the devil. It's for you, Grandpa. It's the mayor, and it sounds real important. Grandpa thudded to the phone. Hello, he bellowed. Grandpa doesn't need a phone, Paul snickered. He could just open a window. Shh, Maureen put up a finger, listening. Who called you? Grandpa questioned. There was a pause. What in Tunket he want? Another pause. He did? Paul and Maureen looked inquiringly at each other. Well, great jumping Jehoshaphat. Now ain't that nice. What's that you say? A long pause. Still holding the receiver, Grandpa turned and looked penetratingly at Paul and Maureen. His voice sobered. Sure, I like the idea, Mayor, 
but taint for me to say. I'll have to put Paul and Maureen and get their yes or no. The Colt nor Misty neither. They ain't mine, you know. Grandpa hung up the receiver and walked back to the table, collecting his thoughts. Paul and Maureen stared at him, unable to ask the question except with their eyes. Grandpa hummed and hawed. Now I ain't a-goin' to influence ya, he said, but it's your druthers and no one else's. But what is it? You see, uh, it's this way. One of the big chiefs from the movie company that made Misty's picture, he just telephoned the mayor long distance. From his home, mind ya. What did he want, Maureen asked. Does he want to make a picture of Misty's baby? Stop interrupting, Paul scolded. Let Grandpa finish. Well, Grandpa went on, seems he's been reading about the storm, and he wants to do something to help. Why, he's willing to let theaters borrow the picture of Misty for free. That is, if the money taken in goes to build up the lost herds. Paul did a flying leap over his chair. That's great, Grandpa. You don't have to get our okay on that. But I ain't told you the colonel yet, Grandpa explained. You see, the mayor and the council wants to start a disaster fund and call it the Misty Disaster Fund. Grandpa stroked his chin and a far look crept into his eyes. They want to cast Misty in the biggest role of her life. Even bigger and being a star in a movie. The children listened, speechless. Even bigger, Grandpa added, than birth in a cult. What could be bigger? Maureen asked. They want Misty and her youngin to make a personal tour wherever her picture is playing and go right spang up onto stage. And part of the ticket money will be used to tidy up the island, but most of it to buy back the ponies. Mind ya, we would have to start right away, maybe in two weeks. That is, if there is to be a roundup this year. Paul turned to his sister. What do you say, Maureen? Maureen's face clouded and she thought carefully before replying. If Misty's baby wasn't so new and tiny, I'd say yes. Paul picked up the block of wood and his knife and made a few fierce jabs. Exactly the way I feel, he looked at Maureen. Course, it'd be fun to be excused from school and all. Mostly it'd be on Saturdays, Grandpa said dryly. But suppose Paul was serious now. 
Suppose they caught the shipping fever or bad coughs from traveling and going in and out of hot theaters, or even broke a leg. All three of them lapsed into silence. No one knew what to say. Maureen screwed the cap onto the ink bottle as if she would never need of it again. Paul threw his piece of wood into the stove and closed his knife. The silence was growing power. Grandpa sat down and crossed his arms, using his paunch as a ledge. He looked up at the ceiling and across at the clock. He picked up one of the birth announcements and studied it. The corners of his mouth twisted into a smile of sympathy and understanding. It'd be chancy, he admitted, mighty chancy. But suppose Paul spoke slowly and earnestly. Suppose we let Misty and the Colt go to just one theater, and if they come home feeling frisky, they could go again. But if they got sick or were off their feed for just one day, they'd never have to go again. Grandpa's eyes shone like twin meteors. Sometimes I think you too is the living image of me. I'm so proud of you I could strut like one of our peacocks in full sail. I'll take it up with the council first thing in the... Bong, bong. The clock struck the hour of ten, and the last bong, the telephone, rang shrilly. Grandpa clapped a hand to his forehead, then grabbed for his shoes. Great balls of fire, I plumb forgot to pick up your grandma from the meeting house. You answer, Maureen. I'm gone. Chapter 22 The Naming Bee Over the weekend, the schoolhouse had been dried out, and on Monday it reopened with only the high tide mark showing. Paul and Maureen were present and on time, but it was a hard thing to remember the provinces of Canada or to stand up and recite Washington Adams Jefferson Madison Monroe when Misty's filly had to be named. The town council was insistent. They had to have a name at once, and the more Paul and Maureen were pressed to make a decision, the harder it was to decide. For the next few days, in school and out, they thought up names and just as quickly discarded them. No one seemed right. Either they were too long or too short, or when you called them across the marsh, they sounded puny. It wasn't like naming just any colt. For three days they struggled. Then, on Wednesday, almost at dusk, Mr. Conant, the postmaster himself, arrived at Pony Ranch with a whole bag of mail for the BBs. 
When Grandma spied him striding across the yard, she quickly set an extra place at the table and sent Maureen to the door. Evening, Mr. Conant, Maureen said politely, but her eyes were on the mailbag. How do you do, Maureen and Mrs. Beebe? How do, Mr. Conant? I declare, Grandma chuckled. You look just like Santa Claus with that leather pouch you're carrying. Let me hang it on a peg whilst you sit down. Mr. Beebe and Paul will be in right soon. Now then, she beamed, do stay to supper. We've got us a fine stew with black-eyed peas and light bread and some of my beach plum preserves. I'd be very honored to stay, Mr. Conant replied. My wife has taken her mother to Salisbury overnight, and while she has no doubt prepared some tasty treat for me, what is food without good talk to digest it? Grandma looked pleased. That's what I always tell Clarence, only I don't say it so elegant. Maureen was still eyeing the mailbag, her curiosity at a bursting point. Oh, I almost forgot, Mr. Conant smiled broadly. He reached into his inside pocket and drew out an envelope bearing a bright red special delivery sticker. It's for you and Paul, he said, handing it to Maureen. Since it's marked special, I decided to bring all your mail along, instead of letting it wait until tomorrow. Pointing to the mailbag, he added, It's the biggest batch of mail ever to come to Shinkatig for one family in one day. There was clatter and stamping in the back hall as Grandpa and Paul came in. Why, if it ain't Mr. Conant, Grandpa said, putting out his hand, I'm as pleased to see you as a dog with two tails. Look, Paul, Maureen cried, a letter, special delivery, for us. Paul took the news with outward calm, but his eyes strained to see the postmark, and his fingers itched to snatch the letter and run off, like Skipper with a bone. You children put that letter with the others and wash up now. Grandma scolded gently as she stirred the stew. This stew is hard to come by, and I ain't minded to let our fiddles get root. Besides, she said, if it's good news, it'll keep. And if it's bad, time enough to read it after we've ate. Everyone, please sit. You here, Mr. Postmaster. In spite of company, Supper that night was, as Grandpa put it, a lick and a gallop. Everyone was in fever of excitement to start opening the letters. But first, the table had to be cleared and the crumbs swept clean. Then, Grandma spread out a fresh checkered cloth to protect the top. We always use the kitchen table for everything, she explained to Mr. Conant. 
her reading and writing for splintin' broken bird legs, whatever it is that needs doing. She nodded now in the direction of the mail pouch. The postmaster took down the bag and dumped the letters onto the table. With the hand of an expert, he stacked them in neat piles, placing the special delivery on top. It's like Christmas, Maureen gasped. It's bigger than Christmas, Paul said. Who are they for? Grandpa wanted to know. Some are for you, Mr. Beebe, and some are for Paul and Maureen. Wait a minute, jumped on the table and began upsetting the piles. Paul swept her off with his arm. You tend to your kittens, he said not unkindly. We got important business, he took out his pocket knife. I'll do the slitting, he announced. I'll do the pulling out and unfolding, Grandpa offered. You read him to us, Grandma, Maureen said. You make everything sound like a storybook. Grandma blushed. Mr. Connett's got the edification. I'd be right shy reading in front of him. Not at all, not at all, Mrs. Beebe. I agree with Maureen. Many a Sunday I've gone to your class and heard you reading from the Bible. I feel complimented you let me stay and be a part of the family. For a moment, the slitting of envelopes and the crackle of paper were the only sounds in the room. Then, Grandma picked up the special delivery letter took a deep breath, and in her best Sunday voice began, Dear Paul and Maureen, I am sorry the storm came, but I am glad Misty had a baby. Was I surprised? I hope someday I can visit your island or maybe even live there. I hope to go to pony penning day and maybe buy a pony. I hope you don't mind if I send you a name for Misty's baby. I think Windy would be nice. Bye, Ginger, Grandpa explained. That's uncommon purdy. Let's give it another, Itty. Mr. Conant took a pencil and paper out of his pocket and wrote down Windy with a check mark on it. This one is to Misty herself, Grandma went on. Why, it's a regular baby card, and it says congratulations to you and the new little bundle of joy. Turn it over, Grandma. There's a note on the back, Maureen said. So there is. Listen. Dear little Misty, I've heard so much about you, and I feel like I know you. I love horses, and I was worried about you during the storm. You have a wonderful master and mistress to bring you into the kitchen. You should name your filly Misty's Little Storm Cloud. Isn't that beautiful, folks? 
Grandpa looked inquiringly to the children. To my notion, he hesitated. It'd be too long a handle for such a little mite, even if we was to boil it down some more. Maureen was impatient. More, Grandma, more. Here's one from a fifth grader up to Glassboro, New Jersey. I am a boy ten and a half years old. This is not a very long letter, but I like the name Windy for Misty's Colt. Mr. Conant made a second check mark after Windy. Two for Windy, he announced. Doggone if this ain't just like an election, Grandpa said, vote counting and all. Grandma broke out in smiles. This one's mostly questions. Dear Paul and Maureen, how are you? I am fine. I read in the paper that Misty is safe. How do you pronounce your island's name? If I should come to your island, would you show me how to eat oysters? How are your grandma and grandpa? I think you are one of the greatest families in the USA. P.S. Do you think you'll have a pony penning this year? See, Maureen said. Folks are asking already, but I just won't answer this one until later. Go on, Grandma. Here's one from a lady teacher. We read in the paper that Misty had a filly and also that Shinkatig Island had a hard time in the storm. My heart just sinks. One of my pupils said that Colts have such twinkly legs that he thought Sandpiper would be a good name for Misty's baby. Hmm, Paul said approvingly. See what I mean, Maureen? Sandpiper would honor her granddaddy, the Pied Piper. Mr. Conant wrote down the name with one check mark and a star beside it. If she was a horse colt instead of a mare colt, Maureen said, it, I'd like it fine. But we gotta think about when she's grown up. Mr. Conant erased the star. Grandma pursed her lips as she read the next letter to herself. Land sakes, itty. I'll be a bushy-whiskered old man by the time you make that one out. Oh, it's easy to make out, she replied. The writing is beautiful. It's to you, Clarence. And she held it up for all to see. Then she cleared her throat. <clears throat> Dear sir, I cut a picture from the state paper yesterday of Misty's filly, born Sunday, March 11th. The caption said she was foaled at an animal hospital, but I'm hoping that someone in your town can give me more information about her. Is she healthy? And is she for sale? There was a stunned silence. Grandpa's face went red and the cords of his neck bulged. Mr. Conant looked at him in alarm. Mr. Beebe, he said, 
I know the answer to that one. If you allow me, I'd like to do the replying. Grandpa didn't trust himself to speak. He managed a nod of thanks. Grandma, try another, Maureen urged. Here's a real short one, Grandma said cheerily. And it says, If I owned Misty, I would name her Colt Stormy. Paul's eyes met Maureen's in hell. Then he leaped up from his chair, stood on his head, and cried, Yahoo! In an instant, he was right side up again. He shouted the name, Stormy! Then he whispered it very softly, Stormy. Maureen clapped her hands. Why, it sounds good both ways. Promptly, Mr. Conant wrote it down. I'll give this one two stars, he said. And still there were more letters and more names. Gale winds and riptide and sea wings and ocean mist and misty shadow and mini mist and foggy and cloudy until at last they were down to one letter. Grandpa loosened his suspenders, yawning and stretching. Out with the last one, Itty. Sam Man's working on me, both barrels. Grandma's face lighted with pleasure. Why, it's signed by a whole bunch of school children over to Reistertown, Maryland. She adjusted her spectacles and began. Our class read the book about Misty. Now we are reading about the awful storm that flooded your island. We are glad Misty was safe. As soon as we heard the news about your cult, we decided to write you. We think you should name her Stormy because she was born in a storm. Would you like that? We would. We had a secret ballot and Stormy won first place with 20 votes. Paul drew in his breath. That does it, he said. Remember, Maureen? Sometimes they name them for markings, sometimes for ancestors, and the third way is for natural phenom, happenings of nature. Like the storm? Exactly. Paul got up from the table and spoke now in great seriousness. Mr. Conant, how many votes do we have for Stormy? 22, Paul. All those in favor of Stormy, please say aye. The ayes were loud and clear. Maureen heaved a great sigh. Oh, Paul, now we can fill in the announcements. Thank you for joining us as we read the most recent chapters of Stormy Misty's Fall, who now we know was so appropriately named. Enjoy this music and let it carry you into a deep, deep sleep.